Welcome to Leader Secrets Revealed, tapping into the tips and tricks of great leadership. And this is for new and emerging leaders and people who report to leaders and want to know how they can influence them to be even better. Enjoy. Welcome to Leader Secrets Revealed podcast, where my goal is to help you understand some of the secret skills that exceptional leaders have to create high-performing teams skills that you can develop to increase your abilities to step up into leadership roles, increase your reputation as a leader, and create the sort of culture that you and your team want to be part of. If you would like to learn more about my programs and workshops to help people do this, then please get in touch with me either at mariburgess.com or email me at mari at mariburgess.com. At the end, I'd love to hear your tips for great leadership or leaders you think I should interview. I'm Mary Burgess, and I'm your host today, talking with Penny Swift, who took on the role of Executive Director of Education through music in 2019, after first joining ETM as Chief Operating Officer in 2017. Penny has had an extensive career as an operational and strategic leader in early childhood education, particularly in low-income neighbourhoods and communities. She has worked as a teacher and a special education administrator administrator and we're going to hear more about those roles as we go through our talk today and I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Penny and thank you for joining me on Leader Secrets Revealed podcast. So let's start by saying can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your current role? Absolutely and and thank you for having me today. I'm equally excited to join you as well. Um, as you mentioned, I'm currently the executive director of a nonprofit organization based in New York City called Education Through Music. Uh, we currently serve 70 partnership schools, reaching 36,000 children on a, on a weekly basis, um, providing a comprehensive and sequential music education to New York City's most underserved populations. Um, I am very excited and very humbled to be serving as the executive director of the leader of the organization. Um, primarily, I'm responsible for supervising all members of the senior team, senior leadership team, uh, developing and implementing strategies uh, to help promote an understanding and support, most importantly, the organization's mission vision, uh, goals, and all of its stakeholders. I was so very excited about three years ago to join the organization as their inaugural chief operating officer. Um, I was uh, selected for this role as the organization was was poised for a great deal of growth, um, recognizing that in order for the executive director at the time to continue in her role, um, reaching more people and, and supporting the organization through fundraising, that needed to be somebody uh, more focused on the business and the operations of the organization, very much ensuring that as we continue to grow, there was a stability in processes and policies, <clears throat> excuse me, and in the organization as a whole, um, so that there would be structure and continuity um, it, within the organization. So um, I was very humbled to be to join in that in that role, and I'm equally excited to continue on in my role as executive director. And we can't really uh, continue without mentioning that as we are talking, it's it's March 2020, and we are in the midst of uh, COVID 19, the the virus that's just touching the whole world. How how is that? And I mean, of course, you're in New York, New York, Penny. So um, 
no one is untouched by this. How is this impacting you and your organization? It's impacting every organization. You know, obviously I can just speak for myself, how we are uh, trying to react in a very proactive manner, um, provide stability to our students, provide the resources to our teachers to be successful, uh, to provide a comfort level. Um, as, a, as a nonprofit, there has to be a comfort level to our, our board of directors, a comfort level to our, our funders, um, in every in every manner, so that we can continue to serve those students and not lose the focus of our mission on any given day. Um, it is obviously a challenging time. I am I'm grateful for the resources of my board colleagues that I've reached out to, um, knowing that we're we're all war- working through uncharted territory and uncharted waters at this ta- time. Um, it, it's challenging because. Uh, nobody knows the future. There's so much uncertainty. Um, I'll speak for myself that uh, I love, uh, I'm, I'm very passionate about being able to rely on my past experience to help me make decisions moving forward. Um, and I, I, I would have to share with you that there's little in my past experience that really prepares you for a situation like this. Um, so obviously it's very, it's very challenging um, trying to ensure that my staff have all the resources on every given day, um, not just uh, from a professional standpoint, but from a personal standpoint as well. Uh, they obviously have personal concerns right now on behalf of their families, you know, their, their elder parents, their children. Um, there's a myriad of concerns that everybody's feeling right now. And being able to be that leader is now more important the, uh, than than ever before, right? Making sure that you're wearing every hat that you can ever think of, so that uh, there's a sense of calm and a sense of co- confidence at the helm of the organization. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So, <clears throat> so you mentioned that there's there's little that prepares you for this, and and you do rely on past experiences. So what is your leadership uh, leadership story to get you to this role that you're in now? So I've been very blessed. I, I think that's the first and foremost that I would like to share. Um, I am not unaware that I'm in the position that I'm in today because I've, I've had the opportunity to work with supervisors and leaders uh, that I've learned from. Um, I, I've also taken the opportunity to work with supervisors and leaders that I've learned from about things I would never do. So both of those I want to share are very much a, a learning experience, right? Um, so, you know, having that conviction um, and, and knowing that I, I, there's an opportunity for me to show up in a very calm, calm manner, um, there's an opportunity for all of us to recognize that um, now is the time to reach out for your resources, that now is the time to really take a deep breath and and have all your ducks in a row prior to um, sharing any information with your leadership team, Um, knowing that there has to be conviction um, in what you're continuing to do, and really surrounding yourself with uh, other resources and other people that are going through similar situations understanding what they're doing as well um, um, to help you along the way. You know, I will say that, as, as I shared in the opening, I've been very blessed to work with uh, some great people. 
and and that has helped me now um, in my position moving forward, especially during this this very difficult time. Yeah. So I know that uh, people are looking to me for a great deal of answers um, and being able to be prepared ahead of time um, before they ask so that I have the answers they're looking for in a timely fashion is one thing that I've really learned. You know, really, really knowing your audience and being prepared for what's coming, um, I think is, is extremely important. Yeah, I totally agree, um, Penny, except in this instance, um, what do you do when you don't have the answers? Because there must be a lot of stuff happening that you actually go, I just don't know. So what, what's your fallback then? So, you know, I would share, which I share with my team as I, I help grow them is that it's okay to say, I don't know that now, yeah. right? I'm working through it. Let me, let me find that out for you. You know, uh, something as simple as that's a great question. And I, I understand your concern. Um, I expected this. I'm looking into it. And I don't mean that to be just to defer somebody, right? You really have to find it out. Um, so that that's part of what we're doing right now. Uh, I think the other thing to be transparent is to tell them you can turn the question around a little bit and tell them what you do know or or the decisions you're making mm-hmm. or what you're considering. I think that's a, a very appropriate way to um, reduce anybody's concerns um, that you don't have a good handle on things, but let them know you've considered A, B, C, and D, and you hope to be able to get back to them and X amount of time, you know, it could be 72 hours or a week with your final, final response. So in doing all of that and getting to where you are now in, in your leadership role, what have you learned most about building that performing team? Because it does sound like you've got all the team there supporting the organisation and yourself as well. So, so what have you learned most about building and leading um, to get that team to that level? Sure. Well, I, I think the first thing I would say is that when you have a high-performing team, the rewards will be great. Uh, there's yeah. nothing more rewarding than having a high-performing team. I think you know the flip side of it is that um, I would never, I, I would share with others, and I would never settle for not having a high-performing team. Um, too many things are at risk when when you don't. Uh, there could be there could be mission drift. There could be morale issues. There could be uh, uh, risk. You know, you have to re- have risk mitigation when you don't have a high-performing team member. Um, those sort of issues can envelop so much of your time because, first of all, that person's not doing their job to, to your expectations or to the expectations of their their job responsibilities, um, and that filters down to their team. Um, it spreads amongst the other team leaders. Um, I don't mean to be overdramatic, but it's almost like a cancer in your organization at some point. Um, and, and you're sharing with others that it's okay for somebody not to perform to the, to the highest of expectations. And um, being a risk mitigator to a great extent myself, I'm not sure what that person is, is um, what kind of position they're putting us in as, on behalf of the organization. And that worries me a great deal. Um, nobody wants to be in a position where they have uh, vacancies in their organization, but I'm a very strong believer and I preach it all the time that I'd much rather be in a position where I have a vacancy that somebody in the, in the position that is not performing 
to the expectations of the organization or, or their job responsibilities. So I've actually never heard a leader say that so explicitly, and and I find that very empowering not to settle for not having a high-performing team. How do you, so you can instill that in your leadership group, how do you make sure that actually filters down throughout the organisation so every leader in your organisation has that same not settling mindset? Well, it. I mean, it's shared in every conversation that we don't settle for anything about other than 100%. And, and that expectation is on a daily basis. It's not something that we, we celebrate. It's something that we expect. And not that we don't celebrate success. I don't, I don't want that taken that way. We celebrate success a great deal. But it's, it's an expectation on a daily basis. It's not something um, that I just expect on a Monday or when a report is due. So um, uh, that's a training or uh, a sentiment that everybody walks away with on a daily basis. To, to a great deal also, we have a very um, distinct succession planning um, uh, document that we use that helps support our, our team members in providing them growth opportunities so they feel comfortable that we're providing them with all the tools and growth strategies to help challenge them and help grow them within the organization as well. Um, uh, and, and that's done. This, this succession planning plan is done on every level of the organization. So everybody's responsible for the growth of their team as well. Um, so it's, it's not just a conversation, but it's work that we do continuously. Um, it, it's a mantra that we have within the organization. Uh, uh, and again, it's an expectation that I share with my team. So the conversation's coming from the top down. Now we, we, we uh, oh again imagine imagine a whole organisation having a succession plan that you constantly review. What a uh, what an, a tool that you could get every organisation to do who talk about it but actually don't implement it. So I think that is a great way to not settle for not having a high performing team. So we've touched on all the challenges currently in this current environment, but in your role normally, when when we get back to normal, which we will, um, or some form of normal, what is your biggest challenge with with your organisation in leading it? Sure. So uh, there are a couple of things I was gonna, I would say, and I would say this is probably true across the board for most nonprofits. Um, and to me, that's the heart and lungs of the organization, specifically education through music. Um, it's it's the fundraising, right? Yeah. The, the the money at the end of the day, and the staffing that we need. So those two things, uh, I can't I can't have one without the other. For me, it's not either or. I, I like to say it's both and more. Uh, so that's the daily challenge: uh, making sure that I have uh, enough uh, financial resources to continue. To continue to provide all the the resources that my staff um, and and really which trickles down to the students that we need to be a high performing organization as well as the staff um, and not just our administrative office staff but the teachers who are really uh, the most important person within our organization mm. because they stand in front of children on a daily basis. Uh, we like to say uh, we're only as great as our teachers are. So. Um, you know that that's very much that's very much a challenge, uh, uh, but I don't think it's n- uncommon.
for a, a nonprofit to be to be feeling that way. So, so you you focus on um, the the people in need, obviously with education through music. There must be so many wonderful stories that emerge from your teachers around the successes of what you do. Absolutely, you're, 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 wait, you're waiting for a question, and I'm trying to think of a question. So. <laughs> Is, is that part of helping, is it those stories that, that help you find the staff to help you get those high-performing teams in place? Because with all of the challenge, there are these stories that emerge that you just go, that's why we do this. So uh, it, it, it is. It's very heartwarming. But uh, ironically, I really think teachers are nurturers at the at the end of the day, right? Very much probably like those in the nursing profession. Uh, they're here because they want to make a difference in the lives of children. Uh, so it's hard because there's a shortage of teachers. I, I wouldn't say it's hard because there aren't enough good people out there or that we don't have enough processes or plans in place to attract good teachers. Uh, there are so many things that we do on behalf of our teachers and our staff that make us a very attractive organization. The, the challenge is the funnel at the top, to be honest with you. Increasing, uh, you know, speaking to other leaders outside of our organization to ensure that the funnel of the, at the top is coming down so that we are benefiting from, uh, from more uh, to access to a greater group of educators uh, that that's more of the challenge. Yeah. But there's okay. so many great stories. Again, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure I don't have to share with you that, you know, on any given day, a teacher will say, you know, I'm in, I'm here for the students. I, I want to, I want to make a difference in the life of a child. Um, I tend to look at, uh, the organization as three legs of the stool. Um, on any given day, we have to look at growth. We have to look at quality and we have to look at team. And when I talk about quality, Quality often in, in a lot of organizations, nonprofit, or especially in the for-profit world, I would say, quality is the product they make. Um, we don't make a product, we make an impact. And our teachers are so great at education through music about making that impact. Uh, so that's not the difficult part. They want to be there. They are dedicated pedagogues. They are dedicated musicians. The, the challenge often is, again, as I mentioned earlier, that funnel where the teachers are coming from is a challenge. Mm. Um, so, so one of the things with the not-for-profits I work with here in, in Melbourne, Australia, is that work-life balance, which I know happens in corporates, but because a lot of people in not-for-profits do give their heart and soul and are there for different reasons than just getting a salary, although, of course, that becomes part of it, how do you manage that work-life balance for yourself, but also for your the leaders in your team and everyone else that's working in that organisation? So it's quite ironic that you that you sh- that you ask that because I am passionate about my team ensuring that they have work-life balance. Uh, we have conversations monthly uh, or as often as needed about making sure that uh, we're encouraging people to take their time off. Um, you know, we've had these conversations lately about. Uh, because it's come up so much that if you're sick, stay home. But as I shared with my team the other day, we tell you that all the time. <laughs> we don't want you to come to work if you're not feeling well. You need to, you need to feel better before you come to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, 
it's it's obviously it's come out more now than ever. Um, but we have a relatively strict uh, policy about you know don't expect anybody to answer emails after a certain hour. Don't text people when they're homesick, on vacation, on their day off. Uh, we we want to be super res- respectful of that. Um, the only the only challenge may be, or all bets are off, or when there could be some sort of a, a crisis situation, and then you know you expect kind of an all hands on deck response. But we frequently have that conversation with our leadership team to make sure they're being respectful of um, of their team. And the comments and, and the sentiments that I share with my team is that you are never to be here as opposed to being somewhere that there's going to be some sort of memory made that you can never be back, get back if you're at work. So I don't want, to, want anybody missing their, their child's kindergarten performance or a high school graduation or um, you know some sort of family or friend event that is making a memory for them um, as opposed to being at work. So it's it's again wow. it's kind of the culture of our organization i would say similar to the culture of high expectations it's the culture of our organization that um uh, i want to make sure that my staff feel comfortable that they have the opportunity to share with people i'm going you know i'm going here i'm going there i'm taking the day off and in the same respect i make sure that i do the same so that if i have a event on behalf of my family I let my team know why I'm taking the day off so that I'm setting that example. Um, I'm not hiding the fact that I'm taking a day off to be at somebody's graduation. I'm not taking, uh, or I'm taking a vacation day, or I'm taking a personal day. They need to see that for me first and foremost so that they can feel comfortable doing the same. Oh, that is so beautiful when you say, you know, don't be at work and miss out on that opportunity if there is a memory being made. What a beautiful way to describe that. Yeah, I feel, I mean, honestly, I feel very strongly about it. Uh, those things you will never get back. Um, and, and, you know, yeah. it's very simple for me. That's just not okay. Yeah, I love it. So, Penny, apart from all everything that you've said about leading your team and the organisation and how... Um, and how you do focus on high performance, but also making sure that your team are fully supported in what they need and your client base. What is your biggest strength for leading effectively to get you to this place now? So there are a couple things, um, some practical, some true leadership. Um, I, I try to make sure we have fun. You know, never forget the fun in the work that you're doing uh, and and really try not to lose your sense of humor on a daily basis. I think that in and of itself speaks volumes about how you can interact with your team. But, you know, I think that I mean, obviously there are a lot of leadership tips when you're talking about supporting your your leadership team and those that uh, work within your organization. But the key word here, I think, is support. And that takes on so many different facets. Um, and, and when I say support... I want to be very exact that I support my team on a daily basis. There's nothing that they do that I don't support them with. Um, that doesn't always mean that I'm agreeing with them, but I'm still supporting it. I try to liken it to the fact that I loved my I love my children. Um, that doesn't mean they didn't get punished once in a while, <laughs> if, you, if you follow what I'm saying. Yeah. But, you know, not agreeing with somebody doesn't mean you don't support them. So, on every conversation that 
and every meeting, I always end with, how can I help you? What do you need from, what do you need from me? The, the other part of it is you really have successful and never put them in a position deliberately where you're not setting them up for success. So there are so many things you can do behind the scenes to make sure what I say, they show up well. So those are friendly reminders uh, before a meeting, uh, let's say a meeting of the board and they're going to present. Do you have everything you need? Can I review your presentation? Is the, is the uh, audio visual working properly, right? You want to make sure that you're setting them up for success so that they show up well at the end of the day. Obviously, they're a reflection on you, but it, you never want to put them in a position or have an, uh, an I gotcha moment. So you send them friendly reminders before a meeting. You do everything you can so that when it's their opportunity to shine, they have that moment. The flip side of that is when one of your team members doesn't show up well, you make sure you take that accountability and responsibility yourself because you always have to be reflective and say, how did I let that happen? There's always a portion of everything that has occurred that you have to own to some extent. Now, you may not own all of it, but there's a part of it that you own as the leader of the organization. And it's, it's, it's a big conversation that we have, um, and it's words that I use with my team all the time. How did I let that happen? Oh, I love That is so powerful. Um, I talk about a concept called deny, blame, justify. And, and one, of the, mm-hmm. one of the, I guess, inoculations that get against that is what's my 50%. So if a conversation isn't going well or if someone isn't showing up appropriately, yeah, how, how have I contributed to, the, to that? So um, Absolutely. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and it's I, a hard lesson, Marie, if I may. It's a hard lesson, lesson because, um, you know, I've heard so many people say, well, you know, he or she knew that they were presenting at the board meeting or he or she knew uh, that this report was due on such and such a date. Well, and my question often is, did you send them a reminder before? Are you trying to put them in a I got you situation? That's not a true sense of leadership. Um, that, you know, it's almost mean-spirited at some point. I agree. Okay. I am a bit obsessed about delegation as a tool for leadership and getting leaders to, to I guess, manage at the right level. You're, you're at the top of this organisation, uh, so it's almost like you don't go past go unless you can delegate really effectively. Uh, so, so what are some of the secrets to getting the delegation and um, doing the work balance right for you? So, I mean, especially in education for music, I think this is a perfect example of delegating is first, the first thing every leader, everybody has to know is what, what are you good at and what are you not good at? And recognizing that, being okay with it and moving forward. So l- let me give you a perfect example. Education through music is based on uh, uh, that music is a catalyst uh, for academic, academic achievement and social emotional growth. Um, I am an educator by nature, but I do not have a music background whatsoever. Um, I have a director of programs who specifically has a music background. It would be damaging if I would be the leader of that team at, because what I can add for uh, to the team members and to the teachers would be harmful and hurtful and damaging to the success of our program. 
So first and foremost, I have to recognize that. And I have to put somebody in that position who I can trust, that's a high performer, and that can deliver the message and provide all of his direct reports, the information they need to be successful. So um, when it comes to um, staff development, when it comes to observations, when it comes to the mission and vision of how that program department is going to grow, I'm definitely not the person who's the expert in being able to do it. I need my director of programs to be able to do that. So a majority of that work is delegated. Now, where I step in is reviewing uh, the things that he's sharing to make sure that it's mission aligned, to make sure that we have the resources to do so, to make sure that um, um, there's process and policy in place, that we're following protocol, that, as I said, there's no mission drift. That's where I step in. And, And again, as I shared early, to help support him and ask him what he needs to implement all the things that he wants to do at the end of the day. Lovely. Thank you. So overall, do you um, have any um, final big leadership tips that you live and breathe that you'd like to share? Uh, sure. I mean, uh, I there are a lot of leaders. You speak to 100 leaders, you'll probably get 200 leadership tips, to be yeah. honest with you. <laughs> I think... I think there are a couple things I would like to share, to be honest with you. Um, First, I would start off with what leadership is not, right? Leadership is not um, going to the head of the the buffet line and getting your lunch before everybody else. Leadership is not having all the answers. It's not being a boss. It's really being that inspirational leader. Um, I think there are, again, if you speak to 100 different leaders, they will tell you what their roles and responsibilities are. I like to look at it a little differently and that there are are key elements of every leader that somebody should have. And that is that they should have uh, high moral principles. They should be leading by a personal example and that they should have the administrative ability and capability to fulfill their their responsibilities. Penny, do you... um and you obviously live and breathe those those key principles for for leadership. Do you have um, daily habits to support you in that? I do. I do. I'm, I mean, when when it comes to um, being moral, uh, I, I consider myself, you know, an ethical and very moral person. Uh, I lead by example. That respect my decision making. I believe proves that. Uh, because uh, while I'm flexible in my in my decision making, there are certain convictions I have that are non-negotiables, um, and 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 they're, they're very you know they're very basic. We will do the right thing by our staff. We will do the right thing by our stakeholders. We will we will do what's right for our students. We will adhere to our mission. They see me doing that on a daily basis, and they see how my decision making. Uh, um, uh, my decision-making critical s- thinking skills work. Um, so I live and breathe that on, on a daily basis. When it comes to, you know, person example, I do walk the walk and talk the talk. Um, I am, uh, I speak about our mission and vision and our stakeholders uh, continuously. 
Um, again, leading by personal example, there, there's nothing that I haven't asked my staff to do that I wouldn't do. Um, I don't, I don't look at myself or treat anybody differently in the organization, um, dependent on their title or their position within the organization. And they come to me in, in, in the same respect, treating me the same way. Uh, so I feel very uh, comfortable that they know that I'm leading by personal example. Um, and I just think when it comes to somebody's administrative ability and capability, um, that is something that's proven on a daily rate, uh, on a daily basis. Most importantly, through the meetings and the communication I have with my team and how respectfully they reach out to me to help them with their decisions on every level of the organization for support. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you. So I want to move into uh, the final section of the questions I want to ask you. However, there's there's anything else that you want to add, you can absolutely do that. So again, from a personal aspect, uh, although it could, could lead into professionally, are there podcasts you listen to or, or books that you've read that have really resonated with how you've um, honed and continue to hone your leadership skills? So... Um... Uh, I would share one of my favorite books comes from my early childhood background. Um, uh, the Very Hungry Caterpillar by, oh. by Eric, by Eric Hall. Um, I just love it because it speaks to everybody. It, it's, it's enjoyable. I just loved it as a preschool teacher myself. And, and I think it just reminds me that, yes, I may be in a position as a nonprofit leader, but first and foremost, uh, you know, I'm an educator um, and, and my focus should never be away from the students that we're serving. Um, it talks about, you know, somebody who's hungry and, and it leads to transformation, um, which is not unlike the path of any, of, uh, of any nonprofit. Um, on the other side of the spectrum, I am a Stephen Covey fan. Uh, I really do like uh, much of what he's written. Most importantly, the seven habits of, of highly effective people. Um, it, it's just, it's just been helpful when it comes to, to prof- professional growth um, and just some very basic principles um, and character ethic tips that keeps me grounded, focused, and driven you know, um, on, on so many levels. And, and I'd be lying if I didn't say Sheryl Sandberg's uh, book about Lean In. <laughs> um, you know, as the parent of, uh, of, three, of three young adult women, um, you know, she shines the light on on gender differences and really helps uh, so many women help achieve their their goals. Um, on a professional level, I think I have a responsibility to set a good example for the women I work with and who work with me, um, and to help reset the expectations of women in leadership roles. Oh, thank you. Oh, I absolutely love that you said the very hungry caterpillar. That is absolutely a book that I give any new baby that emerges in my extended (laughs) family. Um, And I just love the fact that that has come up front and centre for for your recommendation of your reading. And absolutely all of those other books are gorgeous examples of how we can build um, our good habits of leadership through Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. But, you know, Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In and there's so many more resources around that that support you in in raising these three adult young adult women yeah i i mean i think uh 
books are so helpful. The other thing I, I would just want to share is that you have to be really a lifelong learner. And I learn from my team and the people that I'm, I'm with just as much on a daily basis as everybody else. So I think it's just so important that you continue to keep your eyes and ears and to a great extent, your heart open, recognizing that there are so many people around you that can share tips that you can learn from and then implement it. You know, never be closed-minded, but recognize the talent that you're surrounded with and use that to the best of your ability as well. It doesn't have to come from a book. Um, it, it, it's, it's, you're just surrounded by it. Thank you, Penny, for sharing uh, your leadership journey and your secrets, although I'm sure you don't feel that they're secrets at all because you do share them with your team so extensively. Uh, is there any parting advice you want to leave us with? Um, n- no. I, first, I'd like to thank you for your time and what you're doing and sharing this information. Again, you know, when it comes to emerging leaders, um, I, I, would, I would like them to know that leadership is a journey, uh, that along the way they should have fun. Um, they should feel comfortable apologizing when they are wrong. Uh, I think that's something very hard. I wish I had learned it sooner in my career, um, but once I learned it, it's something that has taken me very far. Um, and, and that is an example that I like to share as well. Um, as I mentioned earlier, make sure you keep a sense of humor but always be kind and compassionate and flexible. Um, that's part of the, you know, the morals uh, that everybody will look up to you as, as you grow as a leader. Yeah. It's, and isn't it so important at the moment to focus on just be kind? With everything that's yes. going on, just be kind. Yes. And it's easy and it doesn't cost anything. Exactly. Thank you, Penny. I have... Thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you and I look forward to watching your organisation continue to thrive. Thank you. Thanks so much for your time. It was such a delight to talk with Penny about her journey in leadership and her current role as Executive Director Education Through Music. She had so many gems around what she brings to leadership and how she does it. Uh, Talking about high-performing teams and how she won't settle for not having a a high-performing team and what she does around that was gold. The fact that they have succession planning and a document that supports that and they talk about it all the time so everyone actually knows where they are in in the system. Her absolute passion for making sure there is work-life balance and the importance of delegating but also knowing what, what she's good at and what others are good at and letting them run with that. I particularly liked one of her books that she recommended, and these will all be in the show notes, but The Very Hungry Caterpillar, also one of my favourites. And the reminder that leadership is a journey, to have fun, that sense of humour, and to feel comfortable to apologise when you know you're wrong. Such gold. So thank you. And, you know, if you know someone I should interview who has exceptional leadership skills, please let me know. I would love to hear from you. I love meeting these people from around the world and hearing what their journey is. My email address is mari, M-A-R-E-E, at mariburgess.com. That will also be in the show notes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. 
If you've enjoyed today's show, please share the link with colleagues and friends or on your social media feeds and help others learn how to be great leaders. Or if you're in a team, what a great leader looks like and how you can help develop that. If you know of someone that you think I should interview, please let me know via my website. Thanks.